I can take a few questions. Um, do we have a few minutes? Where's Pastor Dave? Is, is, can we take a few? Yeah, so um, was there, the mic is right there, or, or is there something, or I don't know, this is being filmed, I know, so. Go ahead. Yeah, so your ward, your chapel, I'm sorry? Yes, what is the difference between a ward and a temple, uh, or a chapel? A ward is the people, and and the chapel is the building. Uh, So what you're going to have near you, unless you live near that temple, that's the only temple here in the entire area, and and, and so the, the ward is where they meet on Sundays. The temple is closed on Sundays. It's a place of work. It's not a place of worship on Sundays. People get baptized at the, at the chapel. They don't get baptized in the temple, only on behalf of dead people. Uh, in the temple, only special Latter-day Saints get to go there. The ward, anybody can go. Visitors are welcome to go as well. Uh, so, does that kind of answer? Yeah, so you're going to have, for every temple, I, there's probably 75 wards here in, in Spokane. I don't know, maybe less than that, but there's a number of them if you were to look them up. The state of Washington has a lot of Latter-day Saints, um, a big contingent. Yeah. Okay, so what's the price being paid by those who leave Mormonism and how hard is it to get somebody to, to become a Christian? Um, the price can be very steep, especially if you live with, if you have Mormon family and they find out about it, you can be excommunicated. My friend David, I told you about earlier, his family excommunicated him from the family because he broke the family chain. He did get to see his uh, dad before he died, but for seven or eight years was not allowed to see his parents and, he, and now his mom is dying, and he got to go there a few months ago for the first time again. So, um, uh, so it, can be, it can be very big. Also, you go to the ward where your neighborhood is. And so if you have Mormon neighbors, they're all going to the same place, kind of like the Catholic diocese. And, uh, and so if they all know that you're not there, they might not have contact with you anymore. In Utah, you could possibly lose your job if you have a Mormon boss. Layoffs happen, you just happen to be the guy that gets laid off. As far as former Latter-day Saints becoming Christians, we are seeing more of that, but it's not very high. A book that was written by Jana Reese, a Mormon blogger, she's a liberal Mormon, and she wrote a book called The Next Mormons that studied the millennial Mormons, and it was done by Oxford, so it was a scholarly book and a scholarly uh, survey. She, she said in 2019 that 45% of all people who leave Mormonism, and they are leaving in droves right now, uh, for a variety of reasons, but 45% go to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all. What that means is, as a Christian, if you run into a former Mormon, and Dave was talking about this earlier, you better be up on being able to explain the existence of God. You better be able to, you know, you, you can't just go with your Mormonism because now your Mormonism goes out the door. They don't hold to that, but they don't hold to anything. And, and then 22%, she said, um, uh, call themselves just Christian. I asked a guy who told me that about a year ago. I said, what does that mean for you, just Christian? Well, he says, I, t- I tip big now. He doesn't believe in God, but he's tipping big. I said, well, who are you trying to impress by tipping big? Well, I have more money to give away, and so I feel better about myself. 
So only one out of 10, according to the survey, becomes evangelical Christian. We've got to do better, ladies and gentlemen. You guys are the missionaries at your jobs in your neighborhoods. You guys may know somebody who's left. You have to be willing to share the truth. Pastor Dave and his staff can only do so much. Get them to church, absolutely. In fact, chapter 10 of my book is all about getting for, uh, people who leave, get them into a church so they can be disciples, so they can learn. And they're going to have to be untaught a lot of things. They're going to be shocked at some of the things they're going to find out. And the, stereotype, the, the stereotypes they have of you, they're going to find out soon that those aren't true, that we don't believe, well, good, we're saved, now we can go sin like we want. That's not what is being taught here. We do believe in good works as a result of who we are, but not doing that in order to somehow uh, attain God's status. So it is possible. I have actually, the book that I just wrote, I, I made an, I did like 50 podcasts. And on several of them, I didn't do it on all of them, but on several of them, and some of them were pretty big nationwide podcasts, I said, if there's a former Latter-day Saint or a Latter-day Saint listening to this would like a free copy of my book, because I wrote this book so it could be handed to a former Latter-day Saint, I said, please write me, I will give you a free copy. I have given out over 30 copies, and several became Christians. One in California, a lady just became a Christian uh, maybe three months ago. And so I helped get her into a church. And I try to find good churches in the area, and she is plugged in. And so now it's their job. I'm not, you know, I, I can't be there. And, and so anyway, it's possible, but it's going to be your job here in this room, not just, you know. And if you get them to church, that's a great start. But then take them out, I say in chapter 10. Take them out. If you find a former Mormon coming to your church, hey, would you like to go to lunch afterward? You pay the bill. And talk to them. Ask, ask us questions. What would you like to know? This is going to be a lot different. I'm guessing you guys have keyboards and drums. and Yeah, there's the drums. That's very typical now. That's not LDS. They have a piano and they're playing old-style hymns. This could be a culture shock. So you've got to be able to help acclimate them. And maybe this is not the right church. Maybe there's another church. But they, you know, somebody needs to hold their hand. And so that's what I would encourage you. But that, I'm really excited about the book that I just wrote because we need better, um, we need to get the information out. We're not so good. I mean, uh, I always like to tell Latter-day Saint, uh, okay, let me get this straight. You left Mormonism because you told me that men have deceived you. What did God and Jesus have to do with that? Why did you deny them? Didn't you used to believe in God? Well, yeah. Didn't you used to believe in Jesus? Well, yeah. So what did they do? I have got more people based on that strategy. If I hand them a New Testament, would you read the book of John? Would you read the book of Romans and Ephesians? Would you see what the Bible has to say? Give it a shot. Look at what God's word has to say. A friend of mine, Michael Wilder, he wrote the foreword to my book. He has a, um, he's a former Mormon missionary. Uh, the, the Baptist pastor, that try, he tried to convert in Florida. Uh, basically, he says, you really, if, if you join, your whole church will want to join. He says, Young man, he says, I don't believe it. He says, I think you need to read the Bible as a little child. Micah did. He ends up becoming a Christian. His mom worked at BYU. His whole family became Christians. And you can read their biographies online. Um, uh, the Wilders, so Micah Wilder and Lynn Wilder. Um, uh, good, good. I'm uh, uh, sorry? Unveiling Grace is Lynn's book. And uh, Micah's book, what's his, what's his book? Uh, Passport to Heaven, thank you. So those are great, those would be great books to hand to a, a person who, you know, read their story. 
because I don't have that. I don't have the former Mormon uh, background, but that's okay because that actually does mean, you know, sometimes they look at former Mormons as being tainted and why did you leave? You must have left because people hurt you or you were wanting to sin. So sometimes wherever you come from, just because you've never been a Latter-day Saint, I think you can still have a powerful impact and share God's truth. Another question. That was a good question. I, I like that question. Yeah. Yeah, journal. The, why are the uh, why aren't Mormons holding to some of the older works like the Journal of Discourses, which is a 26-volume set of sermons mainly given by older leaders in the 19th century, Brigham Young and others like that? And no, they're not authoritative. I rarely would bring those up. I mean, they're great to use for the history of the church, but I would I would um, I, I would not use that normally because they don't normally accept that. History of the church is the seven, and there's two different volumes, six and seven. And, uh, you know, they're their history, but a lot of them don't know about that either. Sometimes you almost have to, in a sense, for especially for the millennials and the... Uh, and the Gen Zs, you almost have to kind of explain what Mormonism is to be able to counter it. That's why this book comes in helpful, because they might not know some of the things. Oh, you believe that you're saved by grace and not by any of your works? What does that mean for you? And if, if they start speaking the same way, I say, well, that's different from what he said. And I've gotten people to say, well, I think he's wrong. Well, I said, well, what he's saying is actually what your leaders even say today. So I think stick with the major things. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, move to um, obscure works that they don't consider. But we're going to have a library. We're building right now, and we're going to open in November. We have purchased a 2,300-square-foot building in Draper, Utah, which is smack between Provo and Salt Lake City, one mile off the freeway. And we, are putting, we have a bookstore we're going to do. This is our ministry, Mormonism Research, called the Utah Christian Research Center. Uh, it's going to have an LDS library with all of those works in it. It's going to have Bible archaeology and old Bibles. I collect both. Uh, I'll have my 1630 and 1634 King James, 1615 Geneva Bible. Um, it show the English translations of how we came about that. Um, also, it's going to have uh, Mormon um, displays and a classroom. We're going to get to teach. We're really excited. We have never had a public place before, and we're going to open in November. It's called the UtahChristianResearchCenter.com if you'd like to see more about that. That is a blessing. We raised the money. We had some money saved, and we raised um, several hundred thousand dollars to get the rest of it, and we paid cash. So we own this building. We still have expenses, but uh, anyway, we're really excited about that. But it will have all that other stuff. If people want to come in and see our, we have a set of journals. We'll, we'll let them see that stuff and see what their leaders have said. If these were real men of God, why did they say the things that are, yeah, crazy things that were said? Question. Was there another one? Yes. Many Latter-day Saints current um, would not even read them. When they did read them, they, they were dismayed. So a lot of them just don't even know about them. They, they were written from 2013 to 2015. I'm going to suggest to you that more people are not leaving because of that anymore. They're more leaving because of progressive issues, especially the LGBTQ+. That has become a huge, huge issue, especially with the Gen Z. BYU, um, they're wanting it to be open 
um, homosexuality on campus and all the rest, and the churches said no, and they pushed back. And there's a lot of people who call themselves LDS who do not have any morals as far as what the church holds to that. So I think more people are leaving the church because of those kinds of issues today than the historical, which was different than it was in 2015, 16, 17, and even 18. COVID, I think, had a lot to do with it. And, uh, but we're even having problems in our Christian churches, aren't we, with these issues? And we've got, to, we've got to deal with that. We can no longer just ignore those kinds of progressive issues. We're going to have to deal with it with our young people, or we're going to lose them. When they go to college, they're going to be fodder for the college, the university um, professors. Even if you're homeschooling, you've got to train up your child. I believe, as an educator, to have students learn how to own their own faith not to borrow their parents' faith. People who bar, uh, borrow their parents' faith end up becoming toast. And we've got to train them up in the way they ought to go. And, and so, yeah, so that, that would be my answer on, on the Gospel Topics essays. And one or two more, and then I'll be here after. Yeah. I think telling people what they believe that I was talking about earlier and I think also getting upset really easily. You've got to keep your voice tone. You can't raise it. And, you, know, you, have to, you, have to just, you have to be sincere. You have to look them in the eyes. And I think a lot of people just want to prove that they can win the argument. And I think that's part of the problem. And that's what I'm saying. One of the best things that I have in the back there are my books. One of the worst things I have back there are my books because... Now you become some self-appointed expert and I'm going to show you how stupid you are, kind of an attitude. If you understand that Latter-day Saints are people who need a savior, who are lost, and they've been deceived, it could have easily been you. And so I, I, would, just, uh, I would suggest that to any Christian who wants to witness. If you're going to witness, remember that you're taking on the role as Christian. You better have love. You know, without love, First John says, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to work. You have to have love for your brother. You have to, uh, you know, um, the greatest of these is love, First Corinthians chapter 13. We, we've got to have that love, and they've got to see it in your expression and in your voice, and not that you're just trying to win an argument or you're trying to get a notch in your belt. Oh, yeah, I saved that person. Again, we don't save anybody. It's all credit to God who's the one in production, and we're only in sales. Uh, another question somebody had? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Are there different standards for kids than there are for adults? I talk to a lot of young people, maybe a little older than you, but I do talk to a lot of young people, and they say, you got to give me a break, I'm just a kid. You know, when, I, when, I'm, when I'll use this book, at BYU, I'm talking to a college student, and I'll say, he says, perfection is an achievable goal. Well, you got to give me a break. I'm a kid. Okay, so how much of a where, where can I find that in here? Or where can I find that in your standard works? And when do you think you're going to be able to do what he says you're supposed to do? I have a lot of them say, well, when I get older. I have done this before. An older Mormon will be walking by, and I'll say, sir, just for a second, can you come over here? Are, are you still repenting every week? And yeah, I repent every week. I repent all the time. They brag about how much they repent. I said, so you haven't, you're, you're not perfect yet. No? And I said, so you see, young man, the, the, this guy is, he's still having to do it even when he's older. So a, a younger person can say, I've got time. But 
Young people die all the time in car accidents and other things. You have to be ready at whatever time. And the Book of Mormon very clearly teaches, and Spencer Kimball says, you can't do it in the next life. So even once you turn eight, you're past eight years old, aren't you? You're accountable now. And so you have, the first thing you have to do is on your eighth birthday, you're supposed to get baptized and you get confirmed. Probably the best thing you can do is at that moment die because you're perfect right at that point because your first seven years didn't count. And I don't know about you, I have, I just got my first grandchild a couple of weeks ago, but my kids were not perfect at seven or six or five. They knew what sin was, but all of a sudden eight, they, they now have uh, accountability. And I say, you're, you're past eight years old, right? Well, then you should, I'm telling you what your scripture says. Maybe you didn't know that. Now you know that you're accountable for it. So I, I, I wouldn't let a young person get away with it because maybe they, aren't, maybe they are uh, struggling. But you know what? Struggling probably just as much as your, your parents and your grandparents do as well. You know, everybody struggles with sin. We all have to fight it. And this is a really hard time to be alive because sin is in our face, isn't it? used to be sin was kind of quiet and put to the side. Now it's celebrated, and that's unfortunate. So it's a, it's a struggle. Uh, yes? To address her question, too, they have a book that they give to the young people. For the strength of youth. Yeah. yeah. Strength of youth, and they've got rules in there they're supposed to follow. Yeah. I wrote a book for teens. I, it looks like we sold out of them, but... Um, uh, Mormonism 101 for teens, and I've had kids as young as 10 or 12 read it to help them understand what the religion teaches uh, so that they can, and then also to deal with some of the things like dating. That's a big issue in Utah because the, the public high school, only 2%, less than 2% of all people who live in Utah are evangelical Christian. So my school of 2,400, that means there's about 50 evangelical Christians at the school. So for the dance, my daughter had to deal with this. She was in the band. She had to, um, you know, wanted to go to the, the prom or whatever. It was a friend that was a Mormon. They weren't dating, but I let them do it because there's just not any Christian boys there. And, and so that's a struggle. But um, one last question, and then I'll close this down. They have what's called the atonement, and the atonement is, um, is, actually happens at the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus bleeds there, and um, traditionally, Mormon leaders have minimized the cross. In fact, to wear the cross is an offense. They don't have crosses in their buildings because uh, they feel that it's a pagan symbol. And they'll sometimes snarkily say, well, if Jesus died by a bullet, would you wear a bullet around your neck? And my answer is, if that's what paid for my sins, yeah, I would. I'd wear a bullet around my neck. It's just a symbol, nothing more. Nothing more than your angel Moroni on top of your building. But the atonement for a Latter-day Saint is just the necessity that had to be paid for all people to be able to get one of three levels of, uh, three kingdoms of glory. To be able to get to the celestial, terrestrial, or telestial, you had to have the atonement and you have to have grace. To be able to get to the celestial kingdom, you not only need atonement and grace, which all people get because you're born, but you have to have individual works. That's the separator there between a carnal, if you want to put it that way, um, they call them Jack Mormons. Jack Mormon is like a carnal Christian. Uh, a Jack Mormon who just kind of gets, just does his thing just to survive 
and those who really want to get the very best this religion has to offer, which is godhood. And for some of these guys, they really want godhood. And there's a pride factor that goes with it. That's why I like to quote those words that I, you know, pride. They struggle with pride because they somehow think they're good enough to do what nobody else can do and to be able to keep all the commandments. So, all right, well, I'm going to finish in prayer. Yeah, one last question. Right. Yeah, for, for Mormonism, as far as Jesus becoming God, he didn't have to go through a mortal probation. Why didn't he have to go through that? And he never got married, although earlier leaders in the Journal of Discourses mentioned before he had been married to Mary, Martha, and Mary, uh, but few Mormons believe that today. But how did Jesus get to be God uh, without having to go through all that? How was he appointed? Because he's the firstborn. You know, which is what they literally believe, that he was the firstborn, somehow gave him special privileges that none of the rest of us get. But to them, Jesus is crucial. At the same time, it's more important what you do than what Jesus does. And as you mentioned, Jesus very clearly said he was God. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Ego a me, quotes John 8, 58 to Exodus 3, 14. Uh, he, he uh, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Very clearly that this is the God, not just a God. Mormonism doesn't believe in the Trinity. They believe that the Father is a God, they believe the Son is a God, and they believe the Holy Ghost is a God. Tritheism at best, polytheism at worst, if you're going to say that people can become gods and previous people in other lives also became gods. So Jesus is not the same. I, the chapter, chapter four in my new book and also in Mormonism 101, I spend a lot of time trying to show the importance of understanding the true biblical Jesus. If you have a wrong Jesus, you have a wrong gospel. So thank you. Um, one last one real quick, yeah. Yeah, there's a possibility. Um, he did get kind of kooky toward the end. Um, he gave sermons that are blasphemous, like the King Follett Discourse. A few months before, he's actually martyred. Um, well, they say martyred. He, he was killed in a gun battle at Carthage Jail in Illinois, not far from Nauvoo, where he was living. Uh, he did it to himself, I think. He, he caused his own problems. But he was... Um, he destroyed the printing press of the Nauvoo Expositor, the only edition that was being produced by uh, former Mormons who were explaining his polygamous ways. Latter-day Saints didn't know that, back then even. And they didn't even know it until the church admitted to it finally in 2015. They wrote two different essays to explain this. And that shocked people because they always believed Emma was the only wife. So he... Um, 
as far as uh, Jesus being considered to be the Holy Ghost, he did think, I think, he was somebody special. Did he, did, that would, be, um, that would up, be up to speculation, I think, because we don't have anything specific to... And, and that's possible, I, but I, I wouldn't be able to point you to a, a specific place to show that. I mean, and I know Wesley Walters did have that. Impossible, very possible, but um, speculation as well. But he did believe he was bigger than he really was as a human being. He, he and it ended up getting him killed uh, in that battle. Well, let me pray. I will be in the back. Um, thank you guys for staying, being patient with me. I hope that this kind of gives you some things to think about and pray for your Latter-day Saint friends. Invite them out for lunch. Invite them to church, if they, especially if you know they're not going anymore. Come, say, come to my church, and I'll take you out for lunch after. Uh, I think that would be a wonderful thing.